Hey church, welcome to the Midweek Podcast, where we aim to tackle tough subjects from the sermon text. And today I've just got Ross Tennyson here, Pastor Ross. Uh, Sam is out. But I'm really looking forward to hearing from him today. He's, we've got a, a topic that came out of the text um, where he, he actually preached from Jesus' genealogy. What what a tough text. <laughs> but It was. Got, I did more research for this sermon than any other sermon I've ever done. <laughs> that's wild. But you brought gold, man. Uh, the Lord used it. And and I think one of the one of the things that was most helpful to me was um, your your point that that Christ coming as as the the true and better Son of God, like he he came to drive back Satan and redeem all of our family brokenness and mm-hmm. and uh, beyond just us individually, like he has he has healing that he's bringing to to our families. And and I think your your plan today is to to touch on that a little further, to go a little deeper into uh, the topic of attachments and, and more particularly. Uh, what, how, how our, our upbringing, our early childhood relationships, some of the earliest relationships affects who we are today. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what you have here. What would you want to uh, start out with here, Ross? Sure. First of all, this is a, a super important topic yeah. because it is founded on the idea that our earliest experiences in our childhood and our family have the largest effect on our relationships today. Yeah. So if we're blind to this in ourselves or other people, we're going to be ill-equipped to address our own hearts or address the hearts of others. Yeah. Good. Uh, one, one book I read part of was Attachments by Dr. Tim Clinton and Dr. Gary Sibsey. This is a Christian treatment of the topic, so yeah. if you're looking for a resource on this, please go there. Okay. I also took a look at some of my old textbooks from college where I, uh, because I was a psychology major at Northwestern and and was able to study this topic back in college. Fantastic. So you're basically an expert. (laughs) Basically a blue collar scholar. (laughs) But yeah, so Dr. Uh, Clinton and Sipsy make a great point at the beginning of their book. And that is that people are fundamentally relational when God creates them. Mm -hmm. He creates Adam for relationship with himself and Adam for relationship with Eve. Yeah. And so at the f- core of our being, we were made to connect with others. That's right. And this makes sense because the Bible says we're made in God's image yeah. and God is triune. So he's fundamentally relational. That's right. Attachment is essentially our forming of a relationship with other people. Mm. And it's most powerful with our first caregivers. Okay. So as soon as a baby is born, it starts to develop a relationship with its mother and its father. Mm. Yeah. This is what we're calling attachment. Okay. And this specific relationship is going to influence the way they relate to everyone else in their lives. Yeah. And I love this topic because it brings together spiritual, physical, so, so, sociological, psychology, psychological issues all into one relationship. This is de- affecting every dimension of our being. Mm. There are chemical and psychological effects that will happen with an infant mm. that will cha- literally change the brain chemistry yeah. throughout their life during this crucial time. Mm. So attachment is essentially asking the question of your greatest caregiver, 
you're, you're the person the infant is looking to to be wise and good. Mm. Is this person trustworthy or not? Okay. That's basically the first stage in development that every human person goes through. Mm. Um, a psychologist who talked about this is Eric Erickson. He talks about the different stages of development in life. Mm. And the very first crisis or question or big a big moment an infant has to go through is asking the question, is mother mostly, but research has shown father is just as important. Mm -hmm. Is this person trustworthy or not? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, from the very beginning of their childhood, they begin to develop a healthy attachment to their mother and therefore a greater potential for healthy attachment to other people throughout their life. Why do you say mother first? Well, simply because infants tend to spend the most time with their mothers, okay. they breastfeed from their mothers. That's sure. like their very first, most immediate need. They usually get their diapers changed from their mothers. Yeah. But I was really interested to read that fathers tend to be just as important as mother. Yeah. They're they're also the infant is also asking the question, "Can I trust this man yeah. in his household?" Yeah. And if the answer comes up, "No, I cannot trust this person," they begin developing an unhealthy attachment pattern with their mother and father, and that actually influences their attachment patterns to everyone else in their life. Future relationships, yeah. Future relationships. Yeah. And the reason why why they would say, no, this person isn't trustworthy, is if the mother and father are not responsive to their cries for help. Hmm. So when an infant cries, they're asking for help from their mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And if the mom and dad don't respond patternistically, right then the infant begins to be, teach, be taught by that that they can't trust their mom and dad. Yeah. This is not to make parents freak out right now that you have to be there every single time at the moment <laughs> your infant cries or they'll have an unhealthy attachment. Right. This is to say that if your life has a pattern, if your parenting has a pattern of responding to your, your child, they will begin to develop a healthy attachment. If you don't, they will begin to develop unhealthy attachment. Yeah. So you're talking about uh, extreme kind of, are are you there or are you not there? Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah, again, I think it's important to say, I mean, there's uh, there's parental guides that would say, hey, it's maybe best to, to not attend to your crying baby every single time. Let them yes. learn. Yeah, that kind of thing. Sometimes so, babies need yeah. space to learn to self-console, to yeah. learn to go to sleep. Right. I've talked to friends who have over-consoled their children, and yeah. now they over-need their mothers. Right. But but the wisdom back in the 40s and 50s mm -hmm. was that you should only let your children self-console. Wow. And coddling them would actually make them weak in later life. Mm -hmm. And so parents tended to be more hands-off. And some observant psychologists noticed that this was a disaster and this was setting people up for unhealthy relationships, yeah. that there's actually a relationship being formed when the infant cries and the parent answers. Mm. And as we read the scriptures, there's actually that analogy is used with us when we cry out to God and he answers us. That's yeah. how we attach to God, but we'll get to that later. Okay. So, so a healthy attachment looks like a disposition of trust towards other people. Yeah. You tend to grow up and relate to other people in life with a sense of worth and dignity towards yourself yeah. and a sense that you, other people will respond to your needs, be kind to you, and you will be open to taking the risk of making yourself vulnerable to other people. Mm. And then you're able to form strong friendships, strong romantic relationships, strong church relationships. Wow. Yeah, you can see right, right there. I mean, you just mentioned 
a few of the, the biggest things that we experience in, in, in life uh, that, that are affected. Like you said in the beginning, just affected by these early relationships, your, your romantic potential, friendship, r- religious, what, you know, how you trust uh, your, your pastors, these, these sort of things. You're basically saying every one of these relationships uh, they they have some correlation to your to how your your uh, your experience as a child and, and whether you had trustworthy caretakers or not. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And the most profound point is that our attachment to our parents is supposed to prepare us to attach to God, our ultimate Father. Wow. Wow. Teach <laughs> teach us. Help help me to understand. Yeah, so your parents are meant to be good parents who create categories of trusting someone who's wiser and greater than yourself. Mm. So you learn that there's someone wiser and greater than yourself you can trust in your parents, and then your heart and mind are prepared to attach to God in the same way, and to believe in Him, and to follow Him, and to live a life of attaching to Him. Yeah, That's the greatest kind of attachment there is. Mm. So it makes sense that Satan would want to attack fatherhood and motherhood and undo the family yeah. more than anything else. That's right. If God reveals, Louis Giglio makes this point in his book, Not Forsaken. If God reveals himself as father, Satan is going to be out to destroy our image of father yeah. so that we cannot healthily attach to God. Yep. That's right. So it not, should not be surprising that in our society that as we lose Christian faith and influence, a quarter of kids grow up without fathers. Mm. Half of children grow up in broken households with parents who are broken. Mm. So as you are not attaching healthily to your parents Mm -hmm. because of trauma, because of things that are not happening that are in the home that are healthy, because they're not responding to you, you are losing your capacity to attach to God. Yeah. You are being cut off from the way that God meant for you to be led into a relationship with him and be attached mm. to him. Can you tell me what, what do these, these guys say in the book about uh, kind of time span? Uh, what, what is the development period of, the, of like this healthy attachment to parental figures or, or other sure. leaders? So, so the attachment wounds can happen any time in childhood. Okay. Zero to one year old, it is the most significant. Okay. Two to three, it is the second most significant. Okay. Three to six is the third most significant. The earlier it happens, the bigger deal it is, okay. but it's all a big deal. I see. It happens when you have a parent who... See, it can happen if it's not even the fault of the parent. Yeah. If you have your mother and you're two years old and your mother gets cancer and goes to the hospital mm-hmm. and she's not there to care for you for six months until right. she comes back, Right. that is going to create an attachment wound. Mm-hmm. If... Um, if something happens like you're, 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 someone gets mental illness in your family right. and they're not there to care for you, that is going to create an attachment wound. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of things that can create attachment wounds. I would say that we all have them. Yes. Even those who have healthy attachments, certain things have happened in our childhood since we're sinners who are raised by sinners mm-hmm. that have created attachment wounds and we don't have a fundamental ability to trust God, to trust others, to be open and to be vulnerable, yeah. which it takes to be happy. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote by Tim Keller that I think is really helpful. He writes this in The Meaning of Marriage. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Hmm. 
To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. And I would argue that this is what happens in an attachment wound. Someone who knows you, you don't feel like they love you. You're rejected. And so attachment is injury in response to that. You put up a wall to be known by others, Mm. to protect yourself from further attachment wounds. Yeah. Then he goes on, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything else. Than anything else. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficult life, any difficulty life can throw at us. Wow, that's really good. Sure. So, so as these attachment wounds happen, we tend to put up walls towards letting people in in order to protect ourselves from receiving further attachment, further wounds from people who know us deeply. Hmm. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. And oftentimes when people have these wounds, instead of attaching the people like we were supposed to, right. We attach to things. Hmm. Yeah. So if you notice people who have deep problems connecting and relating to other people will often have addictions Yep. to substances and video games or hobbies or other items or activities that they really pour themselves into instead of connecting with other people. Yeah, I can give a, can I give a little example? Please do. Yeah. Um, you know, someone that uh, was going, had a really hard past and this individual um, at one point uh, made some purchases that, uh, were, were quite foolish and, and there was really no good reason for the purchases. And when, when my wife and I approached them and asked, we, we had a mentorship relationship, uh, mentor relationship. Um, we asked them why they, they'd made that purchase. Their response was, I just felt like I didn't have much stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I owned many things mm. to my, to my name. Like, so this individual tried to fill a void by attaching to items and and they 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 owned quite a bit of things that you know most people would look at and say that's that's junk like, sure but there was this collection so many things that they they kept in their possession and I think I think was uh, yeah a coping mechanism for for dealing with a really really uh, hard and abusive childhood so that's yeah. right that's I think that rings true. Um, I've seen that in in uh, some people that I know, and I could say I could give examples even with my own my own dad. Uh, he, he grew up in a fatherless home primarily, but I continue. I don't want to take no. That, that's an excellent example. So when when a when a wound happens and or trauma happens, and just so you know, trauma is actually just a Greek word for injury. Yeah. So when we're talking about trauma, we're talking about an emotional injury. Hmm. When, when an attachment injury happens, different people tend to respond in different ways. Yeah. So there's different kinds of unhealthy attachment. Mm-hmm. There's what's called ambivalent attachment and avoidant attachment. Okay. Ambivalent attachment is when you, instead of running away from the person who hurt you or people in general, you run towards them. You're desperate for their company. Yeah. But you punish them. Oh. Uh. So this is, so you're, you're, and you're even more interested in relationship than someone who's healthy. 
punish them in, in what sense? Emotionally. Yeah. You'll infants will cry and kick and scream and flail against their parents. Mm. Adults will smother yeah. or insult or mm. provoke or demand. abuse or yeah. demand mm-hmm. in order to control this relationship so that this person can't separate from yeah, me. Right? Yeah, that makes and sense. Can't, the person can't forsake me or abandon me. What, what's that? Ambi- ambivalent attachment. Ambivalent, okay. Yeah, don't worry if you don't remember that word. There's an <laughs> attachment of smothering and anger. Yeah. The other is avoidant attachment. Okay. This is an attachment of you cut yourself off from other people. I don't need you. I don't want you. Leave me alone. I'm 100% okay without you. Yeah. So there's one where you cling to people mm-hmm. and hurt them, mm-hmm. and there's one where you avoid them and are cold to them. Yeah. But what was interesting is that when they tested infants who had avoidant attachment, mm-hmm. where um, where their mother would come into the room and they would not even acknowledge their mother, mm-hmm. and their mother would leave and they wouldn't even acknowledge their mother, their emotional reactions were just as high as the ambivalent attachment that would freak out. So both of the ambivalent attachment and avoidant attachment would have higher emotional reactions than healthy attached children when their mothers left the room. Wow. So even if they weren't showing it, they were still experiencing it emotionally at a higher level than a healthily Mm. attached person. Yeah. And so when when you're interacting with a person like this, if you are this person, there are deep unexplored emotions there related to attachment trauma that you've had. Yeah. And the worst and most saddest of all is called disorganized attachment. Okay. And this is often what happens with abused children. Mm. And that is when you have both of those unhealthy attachments. Mm. I'm just going to read a little bit of this attachments book that talks about these children. Yeah, please do. And I'm on the wrong page right now. What do you know? (laughs) And this was just horrible. Okay. So these are children who had disorganized attachment. These are the most damaged children, and adults can will respond this way too with disorganized attachment. These children had no consistent style of relating to their mothers when they returned to the room. They showed a combination of secure, ambivalent, and avoidant responses. For example, one child began approaching her mother as if she wanted to be picked up. Then she stopped in her tracks and fell prostrate on the floor. Another child first picked up a toy and approached his mother with it, handing it to his mother while averting his gaze to another part of the room. Some of the children classified as disorganized showed frank fear of their mothers when they returned, standing motionless for 10 or more seconds as if they were terrified or even disoriented. And listen to this. Others sought refuge in a stranger seated in the room when their Mm. mothers came back. Wow. And in adulthood... There would be severely damaged people who will unpredictably go between avoiding others to smothering and hurting others. Yeah. It's important to be aware of this so that you can understand what is going on when someone is completely unpredictable and unmanageable. Yeah. You can yeah. help create compassion for them, a sense of understanding. If you're going through this yourself, is important to know that there is a sense in something has happened in your life that has created a deep-seated sense of mistrust in others in you that keeps you from taking down your walls and connecting with other people. Wow. So this is 
this is really insightful. I I think everyone could that that is listening could could probably come up with an example of um, an individual, an interaction that just caught them off guard. They didn't understand. Uh, they didn't understand their reaction, whether it was that fight or flight sort of re- response. And um, and yeah, and sometimes we're. I, I'll admit that I feel just crippled. I, I don't know what to do next. I, I don't know how to serve. Uh, I might feel compassion, but I don't know even what that looks like in the next step. So. Uh, Ross, like, I'd love to hear what are some things that practically we can do to, to serve just uh, somebody that we don't understand, somebody that um, we might um, imagine that maybe we know that there's a hard or abusive past or, or we, we just we wonder maybe maybe there's something behind this. How, how do you how do you dig in appropriately? And secondly, where where is the redemption for for people that we, whether that's us that experience, uh, ha- ha- recognize some, some areas of trauma in our lives or a close family friend or, or friend, um, where, where's the redemption for people that have have not grown up in a, in a really healthy environment? Where's the redemption for those who's, who have really broken past and recognize that the their relationships are hard? Yeah, that's good. So I would say, first, do not take this podcast and start psychoanalyzing people, like assuming you know what's going on or what happened. <laughs> yes. Just be open to possibilities. Yes. Amen. But but if someone is struggling with a fundamental mistrust of others and therefore they are mistreating others, you have to be prepared to for other people to wound you and you not retaliate and wound them in return or cut them off and avoid them. Okay. Now, I'm not saying be a pushover. I'm not setting, saying don't address wrongdoing. I'm not saying don't set healthy boundaries. But you, we need to show them that when Jesus is in us, when the Holy Spirit is in us and transforming us, we are trustworthy people that other people are safe with. Yeah. And they're only going to learn that it, by how we respond when they mistreat us. Yeah, that's good. Because even though it oftentimes comes from attachment. It's still sin. Mm-hmm. It's still a mistreatment of us. Yeah. And it's and it's holding both those things as a reality. Right. And not responding, not avoiding them, mm-hmm. or retaliating against them, mm-hmm. but patiently discipling them and getting to know them as much as the opportunities provide. Yeah. You show yourself to be faithful to them. And it might take more than just your life, and it will take more than just one instance. But when they see a community of people who are trustworthy, mm-hmm. there begins to be, I think, some degree of hope for addressing their situation. Yeah. You asked earlier, what, what, where is the redemption in this? Yeah. And there's a comment I made earlier that when your your caregivers, when the person who's wiser than you, who you look up to, mistreats you, it undermines, in some ways, your ability to relate to God. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to concern anyone for whom that has had that experience, thinking, oh gosh, now I can't even have a relationship with God. No, you can. Mm-hmm. You can have a relationship with God. Maybe even a deeper relationship with God than you could otherwise once mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. Because you have deeper hurts in your soul for him to heal. Mm-hmm. But you have to know that this is a 
roadblock that you have to address. Mm-hmm. And God's ultimate way of healing attachment is through the wounding and crucifixion of his son, Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately God's way of coming to people with unhealthy attachment and attaching them to himself. Yeah. If you remember on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. He goes through the experience of losing his connection to his primary caregiver. Yeah. In the place of sinners. Mm-hmm. So that he can perfectly relate to and connect and restore them. Mm. Amen. The problem is mistrust that that people with wounded attachment have. And God proves himself to be infinitely trustworthy in the crucifixion of the Son. Mm. That that verse from 1 John comes up, we love because he first loved us. That's right. Not we love because we have a past of loving relationships with caregivers. Mm. We love because he first loved us. He took the first step towards you, towards yes. the person with unhealthy attachment, you know, towards maybe you if you're the person with unhealthy attachment, mm-hmm. and suffered unbelievably to show that he is infinitely trustworthy. That's right. He took the first step towards giving you the ability to take down your wall and enter into a relationship with him where you become vulnerable again. Mm. So even if you're the most abused child coming from the most abused home and literally have lost your ability to trust people, just 100%, there is sufficient evidence and proof that God is still trustworthy for you yeah. in the unbelievable suffering of the Son of God. Yeah, that's right. Like, um, By his wounds we are healed. Mm-hmm. We all consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. Mm. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Mm. There is a sufficient wounding in the Son of God to demonstrate the trustful, truthfulness, trustfulness, and faithfulness of God for even the most detached person to, to attach to God. Yeah. It comes from sensing and seeing what Christ has accomplished for you in order to relate to God. And so even if Satan has attacked father mm-hmm. and God reveals himself as father. Mm-hmm. And when you hear God is father, you flinch instead of rejoice. Yeah. By averting your attention and heart towards the sufferings of Jesus in your place and for you, there is opportunity for you to attach to God. Amen. And what we're seeing in many of our people in our church who are wounded is a difficulty attaching to his church. Hmm. Yeah. That's true. And mistrust of the church and uh, walls of defense against the church. Mm -hmm. And like I said, through patient demonstration that we are trustworthy is the only way we're going to ever be able to bring those people into an attachment with us. And that'll be a work of God by his spirit. That's good. Before people who might be listening who are struggling to attach to the church, Part of what Jesus died to do was to give his people his Holy Spirit so that they could love you like he does. Mm -hmm. And so once you take the step of trusting God because of what Jesus did, then you can take the next step of making yourself vulnerable to his people and trusting that they will love you like he does. Amen.
it won't be perfect because on the side of eternity, no love is perfect, but mm-hmm. it will be good. It will be sufficient. Yeah. It will be right. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you're part of the church, you are called right now to love detached people like Christ has loved you mm. because he is expecting you to be a safe place for them to relate. Yeah. Even when they're relating to you unhealthily, your gracious responses are going to show them and help them come to the point where they're able to be vulnerable with people again. Yeah. Becoming detached in infancy, childhood, or adolescence. I think this happens every episode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's our weekly technical failure. Yeah. The point is never that this is determinative and irreversible. That's the right. point is that it's influential and needs to be addressed. Yes. And so everyone can attach healthfully to God and to his people mm-hmm. because of Christ. Yes. But we just don't get anywhere if we ignore this or act like it doesn't exist. That's right. If we're unaware of it in ourselves or other people. Yeah. That's basically the thoughts I had. I don't yeah. know if you have any thoughts, questions to add to that. I love what you, what you shared today. And, and I think um, a couple things that come to my mind uh, it might be easy for us to hear this information and say, oh, Ross is just talking about those really hard people in our in our church, the people on the fringes. And yet he, he's talking about those people, but he's also talking probably about you. He's talking to me right now yeah. um, because the reality is, and he said this earlier, but all of us have imperfect fathers and mothers, all of us by nature of the fact that we live in a fallen world with fallen people as, as parents have, have brokenness in our families uh, that, that need to be restored. So uh, we, I, I just would want you to hear that, that this gospel is for you today. Like mm-hmm. It's for you and your brokenness. And I would pray, right? Just I pray right now, and I pray that, and I think it would be helpful to you to go and ask God by the Spirit to show you areas where where your your heart is broken, where you need healing. Uh, Rashi even brought this up in the application of the sermon, and and then seek somebody out, somebody else out uh, for for helpful application. Like God, where is the scripture? Where is the scripture that applies to me right now? Um, I think I think that God He wants to bring healing to each each person in our community, mm-hmm. and uh, I I want to receive that. I want I, I want us to each know and explore our our history, our childhood, and see the ways that it's affecting us today. And uh, I love the application you brought today. Just that the, the cross, uh, the, the cross proves that God is trustworthy. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention is for us to become a trustworthy people, for mm-hmm. you to become a trustworthy person, and for, for us to have a church made up of trustworthy persons, I think the best thing that we could recommend is be a listener, a good listener, quick to listen, slow mm, to speak. That's really good. And be trustworthy with the information. And slow to anger. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But if people share, if, if people self-disclose information about themselves, whatever it is, what's going to make somebody trust you is how you use that information. Mm. How do you respond to that information? Mm. Um, are you are you quick to throw uh, kind of a, a band-aid Bible verse over it and say, oh, God works all that for good, so we can, you know, or do you do you, are you able to recognize the suffering and and weep with those who weep and and then you know at the appropriate time add the right 
the right word. But I just I think that's that's maybe something that um, we all need. I think every one of us could say we need to grow in our ability to listen and, yes. and to keep digging in and asking better questions and to, to show that we're we would be in it for the long haul if if necessary to, to or at least to, to help point you to somebody else. But um, I guess uh, final thing, Christ. He came to set captives free. He came to to uh, care for the oppressed. Isaiah says, so that those people would then turn around and become uh, builders or r- restore the ruined cities. Mm. They would become oaks of righteousness. I shared this with a, with a sister just the other day that God doesn't want to just. It's not the goal is not only for you to be healed. He wants you to be healed so that you can turn around and serve others who have been broken. So this is not something that has to, you know, if you have a lot of brokenness in the area of your family, this is not something that has to define you ultimately. That's right. But something that could then be used as as leverage to serve other people. That you'll be able to turn around and become a builder of broken families and, and cities. So Amen. Thanks, brother. This has been really helpful, and uh, we pray that you've been helped by it as well. God bless you.